We are fully coordinated tonight. I came up ready to finish, and then he went into another verse, and I thought, okay, well, I'm just going to grab my Bible and act like I just grabbed it, but it didn't work. Nobody was fooled. That's all right. We did not pray over the offering. Something else that was, uh, was brought to my attention. So let's pray over the offering, then we'll get into the message tonight. Lord, we love you. Pray that you bless the offering uh, that we've just received. We pray that you'd use it for your honor and benefit and your glory. And we pray and ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, 1 Kings chapter 10 is where we will be at in our Bibles this evening and get into uh, the message and I feel, feel like is the Lord's will uh, for our church tonight. 1 Kings chapter 10, we're going to read verse 23 through 27 and look at some of the results or what it is, what it means uh, when we have spirit-led leadership. 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 23. Let's stand together. As we read God's word, it says, So King Solomon exceeded all the kings of the earth for riches and wisdom. And all the earth sought to Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart. And they brought every man his present, vessels of silver and vessels of gold, and garments and armor and spices, horses and mules, a rate year by year. And Solomon gathered together chariots and horsemen, and he had a thousand and four hundred chariots and twelve thousand horsemen, whom he bestowed in the cities for chariots and with the king at Jerusalem. So he had fourteen hundred chariots and twelve thousand drivers, twelve thousand horsemen uh, that he that would ride the horses. And then he bestowed those all around, in verse number 27, and the king made silver to be in Jerusalem as stones. Could you imagine looking out across a gravel uh, driveway or a gravel yard, and instead of rocks, there were stones of silver. There was so much money in Jerusalem uh, under King Solomon's reign. It made it to be in Jerusalem as stones, and cedars made he to be as the sycamore trees that are in the vale for abundance. And when Solomon was at the height of his kingdom, there was a very distinct reason why his kingdom became so excellent and so mighty and so powerful. And we want to take a look at that uh, this evening. Let's again pray and get into the message. Father, we think of your word and this story in the Bible, this person, Solomon, and what made him great, we pray that you'd use this to be a distinctly different message that would help us to make changes uh, that would lead to some benefits like Solomon had in his day. We pray and ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. So King Solomon, of course, one of the, one of the most well-known of all the kings, Without a doubt, one of the wealthiest kings to ever live in human history. His kingdom was not just great in its time, but it has been great throughout world history. It is noted, uh, Solomon's kingdom is noted with the likes of Nebuchadnezzar and other great world rulers. Millions and millions and millions of dollars uh, were under his control. And during the time from chapter 3, where he takes over reign, and chapter 
10, where we're going to be reading from uh, this evening, he built a humongous palace for himself, and he built the house of God. And the house of God, of course, the temple, much of which was overlaid in gold, and uh, just the, the, the wealth in his city, uh, excuse me, in Jerusalem at this time is, is unbelievable. And there's a lady who comes to visit, the Queen of Sheba, and I was reading through this text in, in chapter uh, 10, and I thought about this story, and I thought I, I, was, I was really leaning this, this whole week. Pastor asked me to preach uh, for him on Wednesday. I was leading, uh, I think Wednesday of last week is when he asked me, and this whole week I've been thinking about preaching a message on how to get right with God. And um, during this project, I've needed that message several times. Um, but I, I was reading through this, and, and I thought about how King Solomon, when, queen, when the Queen of Sheba came to King Solomon's court, and what she saw and what she said made me think a little bit of Calvary Baptist Church. And it made me think a little bit uh, about why was it that way. And so I, I felt led to... to just, just kind of dissect this text and look through it. And so that's where we're going to go tonight. Uh, let's start by defining the terms. We're talking about spirit-led leadership. Spirit, of course, is a reference to the Holy Spirit. Not your spirit, uh, but God's spirit. The Holy Spirit teaches us. He brings all things to our remembrance. The Bible tells us he convinces us. The Holy Spirit guides us into the truth. The Bible is the tool that the Holy Spirit uses most, and he will never contradict the Bible. He will never change the Bible. He will never compromise uh, the Bible. The Holy Spirit is not a feeling that you have. It is not a warm sensation that you get. It is not an unexplainable power. The Holy Spirit is very explainable. He is a person he is God, and he is the part of the Godhead that has been dispatched from heaven and has been given to the New Testament church to guide us and to give us discernment and to illuminate the scriptures for our benefit. When we're talking about the Holy Spirit, there's nothing spooky about the Holy Spirit. There's nothing weird or wild or wacky about the Holy Spirit. And whatever spirit that it is that causes people to babble gibberish or bark like a dog or roll on the floor or laugh like a hyena is not the Holy Spirit. When we're talking about the Spirit, that is what we're talking about. When we talk about being led this evening, led is a reference to us being the followers of the Holy Spirit. God is doing the leading. We are doing the following. Again, he leads through the scriptures. He leads according to the scriptures. He leads with the scriptures. And when we are following him, we must be following the scriptures. So we are being led when we are following God's word. And then leadership is a reference to our responsibility as the middleman. The Holy Spirit leads us so that we can lead others. The whole, it is, I, we are in the middle. We are led and yet we are leading. You need to be a spirit-filled leader no matter who you are or who you are leading. We're not just talking about the pastor, although the pastor needs the Holy Spirit to lead this congregation. 
We are talking about husbands who need the Holy Spirit to lead their wives. We are talking about wives who need the Holy Spirit to lead their children, to lead their families. We're talking about bosses who need the Holy Spirit to lead their businesses, managers who need the Holy Ghost to lead their employees, and teachers who need the Holy Spirit to lead their students. It is not enough to just say, well, one person that I know is led of the Spirit, you need to be led of the Spirit. You need to drench your mind, your heart, and your understanding in the Scriptures, seeking God's face for discernment. No matter how, who, or what you are leading, you need to be led first by the Holy Spirit. And when we look at this text uh, tonight, I want to begin by going back to 1 Kings chapter 3. We know that Solomon's uh, wisdom caused the entire city of Jerusalem to have gold and silver in abundance, to have uh, fine wood and to have great clothing and to have chariots and armor and armies and security, all those wonderful things that happened in Jerusalem during Solomon's reign was a, was a show of power and a show of brilliance, a show of opulence even, if you will, because of him following God's wisdom. Because Solomon followed God's wisdom, but it did not start with success. I want to look tonight, first of all, at the requirements of spirit-led leadership. 1 Kings chapter 3, in verse number 5 through 9, Solomon is faced with a question. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give thee. (laughs) What would you say? You wake up in the middle of the night, God is standing there in your bedroom, and he says, what do you want? What would you say? Solomon said, thou hast showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee, and thou hast kept for him this great kindness that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. We know that Solomon's sin with Bathsheba uh, happened later on in his reign. And many estimate that Solomon, at the time that he took over the throne of Israel, was still a teenager. Some estimate as young as 15 years of age. God shows up in Solomon's bedroom and he says, what would you like? And he says, I'm just glad to be here. I am just thankful that you have shown this kindness to my father and giving him a son to rule on the throne. And then he says in verse uh, number 7, And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father, and I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. You understand that all of this influence and power came from a decision that he made at a crossroads that all of us face. We all have to make up our mind, what do we want? Do we want a great name? Solomon was given the opportunity to have the death of his enemies. That meant security in his day and age. That meant that there would be no one attacking. He would have peace and security in his day. That's an opportunity that you and I have still today. That's a choice that we get to make. Do we want a great name? Do we want security? Do we want wealth? 
He could have had all the gold and silver uh, that, he was, that he wanted, but he chose heavenly things, not earthly things. He wanted God more than he wanted physical blessings, physical things. And so, first of all, we see in this requirement for spirit-led leadership, you need a humble look at yourself. He says, I'm but a child. The next verse, he says, I know not how to go out or come in. Let me tell you, pride and arrogance will not be in the same place as the Holy Spirit. If we have a, a spirit, an attitude that we are better or we don't need God's help or that we can do it on our own, we are not led by the Spirit of God. The idea of humbling ourselves, Jesus uh, excuse me, Paul talked about the Lord Jesus in Philippians chapter 2, and he said, let this mind be in you. Talking about how he humbled himself to death, even the death of the cross. He took upon himself the form of a servant. We need to humble ourselves before God if we are going to be led of the Spirit. Then we, it talks about the holding of a steward. Look at what it says in, in uh, verse number 8. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. King, King, Sol, King Solomon is saying basically, here I am. I'm just a young man. And you're asking me, what do I want? I don't even know how to go out. I don't know how to come in. I'm just a child. He was humble. But then he said... I'm not even dealing with my own stuff. These are, this is not my things. This is your people. This great people that you're asking me to lead, they don't belong to me. They belong to you. He had the attitude of a steward. Listen, if you are going to lead whoever or whatever you are leading, whether it's your children or whether it's employees at work, no matter who you are in charge of, they don't belong to you. Those children do not belong to you, mom and dad. They belong to the Lord. The people that you have the right to influence, they are going to be influenced for God or against God, but they all belong to Him. And God gives you the opportunity to be a steward, to be in charge of His wealth and His things. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 12 and verse number 42, And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord when he cometh shall, so, shall find so doing. When we, have the, uh, when we understand that what we hold is a stewardship, whether it's our, our finances or our family, uh, our faith, all of that belongs to the Lord. And when we seek God's discernment and God's wisdom, because it's God's business that we are handling, that's how we can become led by the Spirit of God and lead in a Spirit-filled way. And then look at, at the next verse in chapter number Three and verse number nine. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this thy so great a people? You know what Solomon's heart was? His heart was for the servants. He was actually interested and cared about those that were following after him. 
That's hard to do sometimes. Mom and dad, bosses, those that are Sunday school teachers, your mindset needs to be concerned with those that are below or under you. He had the heart for his servants. He cared about them. He thought about them. He watched out for them. He protected them. The servants were the ones that he was interested in. And King Solomon displays God's wisdom and God's discernment and God's love and God's leading by the fact that he cared about those that were under him. Oftentimes in this world, it becomes very popular to get the leg up by pushing people down. But that is not the leading of the Holy Spirit. If you have to fight and coerce and push and, 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 and throw others under the bus in order for you to step up, you are not being led of the Holy Ghost. That is not what spirit-led leadership is. But when you put others above yourself and you think of others before you think of yourself, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 3. And that is what happens when you are led of the Spirit. You're willing to put yourself in second place. And that's what Solomon was doing. In this story, when he asked God, and that split, that excuse me, that speech, that speech pleased the Lord. It says in verse number ten, and Solomon asked this thing. That Solomon had asked this thing, and God said unto him, Behold, thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life. Neither hast thou hast asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold. I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee so uh, a wise and understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days." When Solomon humbled himself and he had a heart for the servants and he understood that it all belonged to God in the first place, God gave him wisdom first. But he also gave him all the gold and all the silver and the long life and the blessings and all the things that we all want. He got after he said, I don't want that. When we get to the place where we realize that it's not about the earthly things. When we say, I don't want the money, I don't want the stuff, I don't want the power, I want godliness. That's when God says, I'll give you godliness, and I'll throw in a little wealth, and I'll throw in a little bit of authority as well. And he will give us the things, he gave Solomon, the things that he asked for, and the things that he didn't ask for. But what if Solomon would have said, oh wow, you ask me what I want? Oh man. Millions. I want millions. Then God would have given him millions, and that's all. And what happens in chapter 10, as we go through this, I want you to look at chapter 10 and uh, verse 1. And this is the, the, the passage here that really sparked my interest in this lesson or this thought tonight. Was this story about the Queen of Sheba coming by to visit uh, Solomon? Verse number 10, again, Solomon's kingdom has grown. He has built a, 
a huge palace for himself and a temple for the Lord. And his fame has reached the far distant lands. And when the queen of Sheba heard the fame of Solomon, heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to prove him with hard questions. Look at verse number three. And Solomon told her all her questions. There was not anything hid from the king, which he told her not. So uh, we looked at the uh, requirements of spirit-led leadership, humbling yourself and, uh, and uh, having a holding of a steward or realizing that it doesn't belong to you. And we talked about having a heart for the servants. But then I want to look at the rigors of being a spirit-filled leader, of leading by the spirit. There are some difficulties. Here this queen, she came to him and she gave him hard question after hard question after hard question. Let me tell you this, when you start living by God's word, people will ask you some questions. When you start doing what God said, you will begin to get some difficult questions. You will get people asking you uh, sometimes foolish questions, sometimes forward questions, but sometimes very real questions that you need God's wisdom to answer correctly. Uh, the Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, Sanctify the Lord God, your God uh, in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. We've got to know these answers, but there are some hard questions. And there are some silly questions. Some questions like, do you always go to church? Yes, I always go to church. How do you guys go to church three times a week? Well, we go the first time, then we go the second time, and then in the middle of the week, we go the third time. Some of the questions are silly. Do you always wear a dress? I don't. No, that's my answer. But a lot of you ladies know that question. You've heard that. And you've seen sometimes a scowl on their face. And you need the ability to answer them being led by the Spirit of God. Not just having some random, some random statement saying, well, my pastor makes us. That's the wrong answer. It's not, that's not even close to the right answer. But there are lots of questions. You'll get questions from your in-laws. You'll get questions from the outlaws. Sometimes that's the same person. And you need to have the ability to answer these questions. She came with, with hard questions, and he was able to answer them. Look at verse number 3. And Solomon told her, told her all her questions. There was not anything hid from the king which he told her not. Well, she was not the one hiding things from the king. The Spirit of God revealed it to him and helped him answer those questions. And I promise you, when you get alone with God and you spend time in his word and your mind is, is, is saturated in the word of God and you're memorizing and you're meditating and you're focused and you're praying and you're asking God for discernment and for wisdom, he'll give it to you. He's not sitting in heaven thinking, ah, look at that. They're asking for wisdom again. Isn't that cute? That's not the, the Bible says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally, and he upbraideth not. That word upbraideth means to make fun of or, or to poke fun at. God doesn't sit there and say, oh yeah, I'm not giving you wisdom. He'll give it to you liberally, and he'll upbraid it not. 
And, and, and then the Bible goes on to tell us that if, if we lack wisdom, he'll give it to us liberally and upbraid not, and it shall be given him. If you ask, you will receive. So when, when we get uh, those hard questions, rather than getting a hard question and changing our answer to make the asker happy, we need to get those hard questions and stand up for what's right and stand up for God's word and speak the truth in love, but speak the truth. We cannot change our answer based on who is asking the question. And that's difficult. There are some rigors of being a spirit-filled leader. It's sometimes tough to answer those questions, but it needs to happen. The Bible says he answered wisely. Luke chapter 4, in verse number 1, this is another thought of the rigors of being led of the Spirit. Sometimes the Spirit will lead you into temptation. Trials, difficulties. Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He was led by the Spirit to go be tempted. Forty days of fasting, be tempted by the devil three different times. Do you think that was easy? Of course it wasn't. Jesus, he faced that temptation after being led by the Spirit. Some Christians, many Christians, sadly, we're all guilty of this. We walk with God and we walk with God and we get excited and we get fired up and we start making decisions and then a trial comes and we start backtracking and unmaking decisions and changing our mind. If we're going to be led by the Spirit, we have got to stick to this book, whether it brings us good or evil. We've got to have the spirit of Job. Why can we receive good at the hand of the Lord and not evil? We need to have the desire through whatever rigors come that we're going to be spirit-led. We're going to obey the word of God no matter what comes. That's the rigors of a spirit-led leadership. But then I want to look at the next few verses, chapter, four, uh, chapter 10, verses 4 through 9. I want to see, and this is the, kind of the meat of the message uh, tonight, the results of spirit-led leadership. What happens when you make decisions based on God's word and you lead the people under you with a heart for them, humbling yourself? What happens when you are led of God's spirit? Good things or bad things? Obviously, some great things happen to Solomon. And we'll take a look at that. Verse number four. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all Solomon's wisdom and the house that he had built and the meat of his table and the sitting of his servants and the attendance of his ministers and their apparel and his cupbearers and his ascent by which he went up unto the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. She was overwhelmed by the gloriousness of Solomon's kingdom. She saw the way his servants acted and the way his uh, servants dressed and he saw the food on the table and she was literally blown away. It says in verse 6, And she said to the king, It was a true report that I heard in mine own land of, the, of thy acts and of thy wisdom. Howbeit, I believed not the words until I came and mine eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told me. Thy wisdom... And prosperity exceedeth the fame which I heard. When uh, the Spirit leads, the results are many things. First of all, 
accomplishments. And look at verse number four, the house that he had built. That could be talking about his own palace or it could be talking about the temple. Perhaps it's talking about both. But without a doubt, when you're led by the Spirit of God, you will see accomplishments. You'll see difficult things that are in the rearview mirror. Things that you have built, things that you have passed, things that you have done, successes, accomplishments are the result of Spirit-filled leadership, Spirit-led leadership. Then we see order is a result of Spirit-led leadership. Verse number five. The meat of his table, the sitting of his servants, their attendance uh, of his ministers, their apparel, his cupbearers, his ascent by which he went up. Everything was in order. They sat in a certain way. They wore a certain type of clothes. There was a certain way that he walked up into the temple. His ascent uh, was all done according to plan. There was order because he was following God's wisdom. When you seek God's face... It will lead you to order. God is the master of turning chaos into order. His Holy Spirit will never lead a person into disorder, disarray, or disorganization. If there is confusion, you can rest assured that the Holy Spirit is not leading. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. James chapter 3 and verse number 16. When you've got order and, and, and uh, some, everything's in arrangement and everything's uh, following a specific plan, that is the result of spirit-led leadership. When there's chaos everywhere, you've all had that boss somewhere. You know what I'm talking about. We've all had a bad boss at some point in our life, and there is no order. I mean, it is absolute chaos from the minute you walk in and clock in till the minute you walk out the door. That is not, that is not leadership following God's principles. God didn't design it that way. That's why you're so frustrated, because that's not the way it's supposed to work. But when you follow God's principles as a leader, you create a place of order where people fit in and people are glad that they fit in. That's the next thing on the list is happiness. Verse number eight, Solomon's servants were happy. His men were happy. They stayed continually. They wanted to be there. Happy are thy men. Happy are these thy servants which stand continually before thee and that hear thy wisdom. It's been wisely stated that you can't please all of the people all of the time. But you can be pretty fun to work with. And you can be enjoyable to be around if you're led by the Spirit. The desire to be around you can be supernaturally aided. And quite frankly, it must be if you're going to be surrounded with happiness. When you surrender to God and you get God to lead you, the people around you will enjoy being around you. I remember the first day I walked into Calvary Baptist Church, I came as incognito as I could. I did not know Pastor Shiflett. I had never met him except for, I guess, on a phone call. Um, but I, I had never heard a sermon that he preached. I did not know anything about him. So I Google searched him, and it was a little bit wild. And so I thought, I don't think I'm going there. I, I don't think I'm going to that church. But I walked in, and before I even got from the front glass doors to the back 
or to the wooden doors at the back of this auditorium, I was greeted by two incredibly happy people. I mean, smiles all the way from both ears. They were grinning and happy, and we're so glad you're here. Happiness. You can't fake that. Well, I mean, you can, but it's, it doesn't work. Everybody knows when you're faking the happiness. But when, when I walked, by the time I got into the door, I had already been greeted by people that were smiling, and I saw people smiling, and people were fellowshipping. I mean, shaking hands and talking to each other. I'd been in churches where that was a weird thing. And I sat down, and somebody come shook my hand and, and uh, just made me feel special, and I could tell something was different about this place because of the happiness of the people that were in this service. I sat there, and I listened to the uh, music, and I got through, I don't know, maybe the second verse, and I started crying like a little baby because I knew that God's Spirit was here. I knew that God's Spirit was leading this congregation. And then the, the next result is glory to God. Look at verse number 9. The result of Spirit-led leadership. Blessed be the Lord thy God. That's what the Queen of Sheba said. A pagan, heathen queen who worshipped all kinds of who knows what said, Blessed be your God. She said basically, in a, in, in a sense, your God's better than my God's. Your God is better than my God's are. She said, blessed be your Lord God. She gave glory to God because of his, uh, all the things that were around Solomon, the, the people and the food and the happiness and the contentment and the order and the abundance. Verse number 10, it tells us, she gave the king 120 talents of gold and of spices, very great store and precious stones. When you serve God, you will see abundance. When you are led of the spirit, without a doubt, abundance will be a result of being led by the spirit. It doesn't mean you're always going to be rich. It doesn't mean that you need to uh, give your tithe to the guy who has the prayer shawls on TV. I, I don't mean that when you name it, you'll claim it, and God's going to give you everything you need. But I am telling you that when you have a work ethic that follows spirit-filled leadership, and you are willing to honor the principles in God's word, it will produce more than you need. Glory to God, abundance, happiness, order, accomplishments, all of those things were in Solomon's kingdom because Solomon had the wisdom of God and the wisdom of God is the result of seeking his leadership. Our country was founded on the Bible. Our country was founded on Bible principles, on Bible morality, on Bible standards of justice and integrity and liberty and judgment. And the goal of our founding fathers was to make a country where they could serve God. It was not in their mind to become the richest country in the world. George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and those other men uh, that were meeting in that room and surrounding those tables at the Constitutional Convention, it was not the plan, we are going to become the richest, let's figure out how we can turn capitalism into just piles of money so that we can imperialize the world. 
That wasn't the goal. The goal was make it a place where people could worship God Almighty according to the Scriptures. And the result of that is the fact that we have become the most powerful and one of the wealthiest countries in the world. We are all blessed because those men were led by the Spirit. We are still blessed 250 years later because those men were led by the Spirit. But our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren will not be blessed if we don't get led by the Spirit. We cannot live in this country on 50 years ago's desire to be led by the Spirit. The result of living for God is oftentimes prosperity and abundance. And it's fair to say that the wealth gained and earned and produced by our country has everything to do with being Spirit-led and nothing to do with human ability, reasoning, or the evolution of man. It's not us. It's all God. But then I want to take a look and just end tonight with a little bit of a warning. We've already read chapter 10, verse 27. And I want to pick up uh, in verse, uh, chapter 11 and verse number 1. There are some risks. When God's been good to you, you've gotten all these results of spirit-led leadership. Watch out. There are some troubles. But King Solomon loved many strange women together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. The risks of God's blessings are pride. You might think you're the one responsible for all that, all that abundance and all that happiness and all that order and all, that, all those accomplishments. If you're not careful... And, and no matter who you are or what you are, or what you've accomplished or how much order is in your life or what your family has as far as happiness is concerned, no matter who you are, all of you, we all have to understand and recognize it's not your fault. It's God's fault. When you obey him, then he blesses you. But it's his principles. It's not your ability. It's not uh, our own mind that did that. And sometimes we get swollen up with pride. Somewhere along the line, Solomon started taking credit for what God had done. And if you have any chance to lead or influence others and you follow God's plan, success will be the result. But it's not our doing, it's God's doing. There is tremendous risk in godly success to take responsibility for the good that happens. But we've, if we will just, again, get in our prayer closet, get alone with God, and humble ourselves before Him, we can continue the blessings. But we've got we've to fight the sin of pride. And then the second risk was the sin of pleasure. When God blesses, there's freedom, ability, wealth, abundance. And with less work and more money, there's oftentimes a, a desire to lead a life of pleasure 
over a private life with God. And that's what happened to King Solomon. And as we think about this story in the Bible, all of us, we've got to recognize, are we led of the Spirit? And if we are, we need to constantly, daily, die to self and continue to to fight against living a life just solely for pleasure. The wisest man in the world became one of the dumbest men in the world. He had 700 mothers-in-law. Do you know how dumb that is? I feel like Calvary Baptist Church is a test tube where we are experimenting what it is like to live around spirit-led leadership. And we are constantly seeing the blessings that come. I've, I've sat in pastor's office many, many times and heard him talk and I've, I've working with him these last several weeks, constantly being around him. Virtually every time you talk to him, a verse of scripture comes out. A thought that he's, a meditation. Um, there's so many times and I can tell that his mind is full of God's word. And that's how you get spirit led. There's nothing weird about it. It's get alone with God, get a private time with God, spend time in prayer, and seek God's face. And you too, we can all be spirit-led. And when you see the blessings, don't take them for granted. Every time a missionary comes up and stands behind this pulpit, they say something like Brother Mike Ward just said, There's, churches are not like this everywhere. It's the result of seeking God's face. And we as a church, we cannot get complacent. Get alone with God and ask for more. Get alone with God and ask for leadership. Ask Him to make our decisions. Ask for discernment and keep, uh, keep our leadership in your prayers because without God's leading, we have nothing. Let's stand together, heads bowed and eyes closed tonight. We'll pray. Open up a time that if you'd like to do business with the Lord, if the Lord spoke to your heart, now's the time that you could speak back to Him. Father, we think about King Solomon, his wisdom and ability, but Lord, the consequences of, of taking the taking the um, taking the credit for what you had done. I pray that you'd please help this message to stir us up to seek your face. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. As the piano plays, the altars are open. If you need to do business with the Lord, now is the opportunity. If you want to seek God's face. Ask for his leadership. Lay whatever and whoever you're in charge of at his feet. Now's your opportunity.